Welcome to the Von Nelson Podcast. With me today is CEO and CIO Chris Wallace. Welcome, Chris. It's good to be here, Dan. Well, Chris, good to have you back. I uh, missed you last week as we were recording out our, our second quarter strategy updates, uh, but back at it, we had a couple things that, that took place over the last you know, week and a half or so since we, we've uh, previously recorded. Um, the first thing I want to talk about is some inflation and then specific what's going on with the market. Um, mm-hmm. So we saw inflation data come in last week at, at 9.1%. Um, Took a, market took a, a big hit uh, immediately after the announcement, um, and then after the you know over the course of the last week or so, um, the market's reversed and it's climbed back up uh, positive about four percent. Yeah, kind of a big, I guess just described as a whipsaw. You know, yeah. any, any thoughts on, on what you're seeing out there and, and perhaps um, some rationale behind uh, the uh, up and down swings we're seeing in such a short order? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I <clears throat> we, we've gotten to this point of equilibrium in the market where the market's done a good job of discounting the slowdown and discounting the earnings declines. And, you know, it's been sending a signal for the last several weeks that there's a greater concern with recession versus inflation. When you look at forward leading indicators for inflation, they're turning down. Inflation is still going to remain elevated. Like it is not going to get anywhere near the Fed's target. Uh, for probably another 12 months, if not longer. Uh, but we should be approaching from 9%, maybe down to 6%-ish by the end of the year. Um, and so the market's you know, trying to signal that, hey, we're in balance. We need to see what's next. And when you get a kind of a, 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 an equilibrium and, and the market's no longer going down, you start to get uh, a little bit more momentum to the upside. We have people covering shorts. Uh, the leadership in the rally has been, you know, the junk or the high short interest stocks. And so that whipsaw just re- reflects these leveraged players chasing returns uh, lower and when they're shorting into the sell-off, which you should never do. And then when it rallies, they're then covering these shorts. And so this is just the natural behavior within a bear market. And the market's really waiting for the next signal. And it's, I think, like I've said, it's done a good job of discounting the earnings declines. We've seen that in, in earnings reports where the financials, for the most part, have bottomed and have moved up modestly since they reported. And their earnings are down 35 percent and the stocks were down 35 percent coming into the earnings. So, you know, the market's very aware of where it needs to take earnings for this year. What's not discounted is the Fed not pivoting or a further earnings decline in 2023. And so that's why I say we're really waiting to see what's the reaction function going to be out of the Fed. Are they really going to pivot or because we're in a different inflation regime, because we have uh, different pressures from a geopolitical standpoint, um, they just can't pivot. And in which case, there may be more downside in the market. But that's why we're in this whipsaw action. And it's going to take some time for it to play out, um, you know, another month or so. And, and there may be more direction, if not at the aggregate market level, then certainly at the sector level. Um, another big uh, big topic over the last week here was we've seen the euro and, and the U.S. reach parity. Um, and you know, this is really just off the back of you know, this continued U.S. dollar strength. Yeah. Uh, question for you here is, you know, do you think that U.S. euro hitting parity is a significant marker? And then uh, further beyond that is, you know, do you think that we should anticipate the U.S. dollar to continue to rally? 
Yeah. Again, this kind of gets into we've reached this balance where the interest rate differentials between the U.S. and the rest of the world were sufficient to drive the strength in the dollar. And it's done its job, right? It's it's the that in combination with the Fed aggressively tightening liquidity conditions has put downward pressure on home prices, downward pressure on commodities, and we're starting to see it impact demand. And so, again, it, it's doing its job. We've seen the significant move lower in the yen and in the euro um, as they haven't fallen suit. But when you step back and look at currency strength and weakness, you're seeing weakness out of countries who's, who are, are short energy. And you're seeing more strength in countries that are longer or at least relatively neutral to energy. And that's the underlying driver. Um, again, it's going to come down to policy choices. And what we're really doing at this point forward, kind of domestic economic conditions, while still very important and very relevant, are going to be taking an incremental further step back from the sovereign debt issues that exist within the developed and the developing world. We're seeing this in China as they're trying to stimulate at the local government level. And we, we've seen the issues developing in the property market. And we're seeing the issues developing in and around some of those bank runs. We see the ECB today trying to um, you know, come up with a solution to deal with the the spreads of uh, some of the peripheral countries' sovereign debt. The reality is they have no good solution, um, and they're just going to try to use some opaque words and some uh, QE to try to deal with it. But I don't, I don't think the market's going to be fooled. <clears throat> and then we've got a similar issue in the U.S. We're probably going to see, as time passes, a very dramatic fall in tax receipts, a widening of the deficits, and a slow recognition that even our government isn't financeable at, at current rates. And those pressures are going to dictate central bank policy more so than underlying economic conditions. And for the most part, you know, we're beyond the point where, you know, raising rates or lowering rates is going to have that big an impact. It's going to take more forceful tools. And depending on those choices will dictate whether the euro falls further or you know, is there going to be some coordination across uh, central banks in order to support each other? And that may be what's next on the agenda is, you know, the Fed uh, using tools to support the yen and support the euro. Um, so it promises to be interesting for sure. Uh, and another topic that, you know, we had discussed, it seems like almost weekly for a stretch there, um, but we haven't revisited in, in some time, is employment. Mm -hmm. um, you know, where we stand today with, with employment numbers, yeah, I know we've, we've seen claims ticking up, um, companies yep. have announced layoffs, we've seen some major firms, um, you know, essentially stating that they are overemployed at this point. Yep. Um, you know, does this signal support for further economic weakness? Yeah, and, and it's so consistent with the recessionary conditions that are developing um, you know, you know, pundits had said, we're not going to have a recession now. You know, they're saying, well, we might, but if we do, it's mild. And look how strong employment is and look at wages. And, you know, there's absolutely nothing different about where we are today heading into these recessionary conditions than at any time in the past when we were heading into recessionary conditions. You always come off uh, kind of peak unemployment or, or peak employment levels. You always come off scarcity of employees and wage pressures. That's that's just where you begin these slowdowns from. 
And when you look at the rate of change in underlying uh, weekly employment claims, unemployment claims, they're completely consistent with uh, the setup of heading into recessionary conditions. They're completely consistent with the inverted yield curves we've seen relative to history. So um, there's nothing that indicates anything other than further weakness. And when it's starting to come out to in, in quarterly earnings, you know, um, when you look at the more cyclical areas of the market, whether it's transports, you can clearly see weakness developing um, when, as you mentioned, we're already starting to see the layoff announcements. And I think what most market participants don't realize is the abruptness of the slowdown. Like it really began in earnest, maybe late May, but really June. And it's just accelerated June and July. And we're going to really start to see it in employment, I mean, in housing activity. It's going to start to show up further in the employment statistics as we move through the year. Um, And yeah, I mean, I, I think more weakness is on the way. And what's interesting is despite this weakness, the 10-year yields and the two-year yields really haven't turned bearish, meaning they haven't turned and started to decline. They're still in an uptrend, although the pace of that uptrend has moderated and they're plateauing. But when you look at what's developing from a recessionary standpoint, you would expect to see strength in bond prices, sovereign bond prices, and falling yields, I would, more aggressively. And I really think that reflects two things. I think it's an acknowledgement by the market that we are in a very different inflationary condition from a cyclical and secular standpoint. And there are very serious issues with sovereign balance sheets um, and the reaction function out of central banks uh, may not be supportive for fixed income. Well, good. Let's uh, let's call it a day there. So thank you, Chris. That was great. Um, good catching up. Uh, Miss you in here for a couple a uh, couple extra days than we needed to. So we'll have you back here soon, and we'll uh, we'll catch up then. Sounds good. Great. The views, information, and or opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Von Nelson and its employees. Von Nelson does not verify and assumes no responsibility for the accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast. The primary purpose of the information, opinions, and thoughts presented in this podcast is to educate and inform. This podcast, or any podcast in the series, does not constitute professional investment advice or services, and any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk. Past performance is not an indication of future performance. By accessing this podcast, you acknowledge that the entire contents of this podcast are the property of Von Nelson and, or used by Von Nelson with permission and are protected under U.S. copyright and trademark laws. Securities discussed within this podcast may be held in the Von Nelson strategies.